Welcome back to Your Province, Your Premier. I'm Wayne Nelson, your host and moderator, and every Saturday morning at this time, I'll be speaking with Premier Danielle Smith about a few issues of the day. However, this is really your opportunity to speak with the Premier directly, to ask your questions, to voice your concerns, whatever's on your mind, but please remember to keep it short and please keep it respectful. Premier Danielle Smith wants to hear from you. You can call or text in Calgary, 403-974-8255 at Edmonton. And we're having some challenges with the Edmonton text line, but you can try. It's 780-496-0063. Premier Smith, welcome to the show. Hi, Wayne. Nice to talk to you again. Yes. Well, there is lots to talk about. Now, I asked you last week, following your by-election win, if there was a sense of urgency to get things done, and you confirmed that you wanted to move quickly. And, boy, have you done so. On Monday, Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dr. Dina Hinshaw, replaced by Dr. Mark Joffe. On Thursday, the 11 members of the AHS board that were remaining after an earlier resignation were dismissed and replaced by one person, Dr. John Cowell, who has been appointed administrator. Now, one of those former board members has since issued a scathing letter of condemnation for your actions and has also criticized Dr. Cowell, stating that he, quote, vocalizes a number of worn-out platitudes to impress those around, unquote. Now, I'd like to hear your response to this public criticism of both you and Dr. Cowell, and also how your government plans to address the rising spread of respiratory illnesses, especially among young children, which is contributing to rising hospitalizations and significant numbers of kids missing school. A, oh my, a, a lot we, of stuff you, to cover there, you, right? I know I'm going to be monologuing for 10 minutes you know, on no, an we, answer. We want to keep it short. <laughs> keep it short. <laughs> Let me see what I can do. So, so first of all, I mean, the removal of the AHS board is not personal against any individual member. And I think that uh, the minister, Jason Copping, I think he, he, he made that point very clearly. When you have a part-time strategic board, the, the purpose of it really is to be managing a system that's going well. And I, I don't think there's anyone including the opposition, who thinks that the system right now is working well. I've experienced it with my own family, having seen a, a family member, my dad, who was stuck in a reclining chair in a, in a hospital emergency room for and 20 hours COVID before being really admitted. exacerbated things, though, didn't it? Well, I don't know that uh, that COVID was the, the the sole problem. I think that what happened is that we we ended up seeing that that COVID COVID revealed some uh, sure. some fundamental problems with the system, and that's what we've got to fix. And I, I think that we relied on the experts. We gave a bunch of money to Alberta Health Services. We put in place a strategic part time board, and we said go go run healthcare. And we expected that they would be able to 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 run it in a way that meets the expectations of Alberta. Well, to be clear, they didn't. Uh, uh, Premier. Smith. These are all part-time board members. They, are, board they members. are giving it their all, you know, uh, but things just weren't working. You know what? Uh, effort is um, is always respected, but achievement is what Albertans want to receive. And I'll, I'll, let me just tell you the things that we need to focus on, because I think it's an unfair criticism of Dr. John Cowell, who's very highly respected. He was the head of Alberta Health Quality Council. He's been in the position before. He We brought him out of retirement because he knows what needs to be done. And he knows that myself and Jason Copping have the resolve to back him when he makes decisions. So the three things that we need to make progress on are, number one, we, we have to make sure that we have a system where when paramedics show up 
at an emergency room. They can drop the patient off and get back into the field. Uh, Dr. Cowell himself talked about an experience that he had where he broke his leg and he had tw- he was 22 behind 21 ambulances in front of him. That is just not acceptable. The, the second issue that I raised with my, with my family member who'd spent 20 hours in an emergency room, that is not uncommon for people to arrive at emergency and wait not only hours for minor ailments that need to be treated and released, but to wait uh, almost an entire day or more when they have to be admitted. Yeah, I think my dad was 17 hours just recently. It's unacceptable. And the third one is the uh, surgical backlog. Now, they've made some progress on this, that we have, we now, we're now back to nearly the same level of backlog of 68,000 surgeries that we were prior to COVID. But that underscores that this was a problem prior to COVID. And we are now just getting back to a point where we're, we're able to clear some of that backlog. But th- this is not something, I think we have to accept this now, this is not something that can be solved with the oversight of a part-time strategic board. It requires an official administrator who can work day in, day out with the backing of the health minister and myself when they need to make decisions to resolve these issues. And that's what we're going to do. But you're going from 12 people to one. That's asking a lot of Dr. Cowell. And how are you going to measure tangible results? You've got to do it fairly quickly. Uh, We've got an election coming up in spring, and I'm pretty sure that you've got some goals that you've got to show to the electorate that you're making progress. So how do you you measure that success? Is there a, a, is there a number you can quantify? There's, there's about 10 measures that we'll be looking at. We have to benchmark them first, and we're going to, to show improvement in all of them within the next six months. So, for instance, uh, one of the measures will be the issue of the red, the uh, the red alerts that are happening in ambulance. That's we we declare those whenever there are no ambulances available for new calls. We're going to benchmark how often that happens, and we're going to reduce the number of times that happens. We're going to look at how many um, ambulances are stuck waiting for an extended period of time at hospital waiting rooms. Benchmark that, and then reduce that. When it comes to our surgical times, our objective is to make sure that every single person who is on a on the list is waiting a medical recommended period of time so that they are not waiting two or three or four years, as I'm hearing, with the number of people who have hip and knee replacements. And then when we look at this flow, people will experience it. They will know when they go to an emergency room that and they're getting properly triaged, they will either get the treatment in a timely way or they will get admitted in a timely way. I mean, all of this is going to be very transparent. Okay. It's all about the patient experience. And, but, but with and all these that, rising hospitalizations, uh, Premier Smith, amongst the kids because of the respiratory ailments. Have you acted too quickly at a too critical time? It's essential that we act now because we have to remember part of the reason why we were told we needed restrictions on the economy and restrictions on schools was because of the pressure on the healthcare system. And so we've been waiting for two and a half years for Alberta Health Services Management to increase ICU capacity, to increase surge capacity, and they haven't done it. So this is why I say that the system that we've been doing before hasn't worked. So we've got to try something new. And we've got to work with our front line to get their ideas so that we can fix the problem. I'm glad you brought that up because part of the turnaround relies on increasing the shortages of those frontline workers, those nurses, those doctors and others. And by the sounds of things, we are going to need a lot more than pretty darn soon. Um, a, a nurse called in to, I believe it was Shea Ganim's show earlier this week, saying it's difficult to attract nurses from other provinces because of all the red tape and hoops that they have to jump through to get accredited here in, in Alberta. And it seems that there's just far too much bureaucracy on just about anything to do with government. So what are your expectations on getting this kind of process streamlined so 
so we can get these frontline workers on the job as soon as possible. It's one of the reasons why I made uh, Deputy Premier Casey Madu responsible for skilled trades and professions. And this is one area that he was absolutely wanting to have a hand in is what we see is that Alberta Health Services does not approve for an expansion of the number of seats at all of our different post-secondary institutions. They we're not graduating enough enough students. And when we do graduate those students. We are not then hiring them at Alberta Health Services facilities. We're actually relying on overtime when we get into into pressure and it's burning our staff out. And so is it any surprise that we end up with a massive turnover? I've heard in paramedics that they only, um, the average a time of burnout is five years. We're doing all of this work, getting somebody into a job that they love. And then because of the way we're managing the system, they end up losing heart and they end up leaving. And I suspect it's the same for LPNs. I suspect it's the same for nurses. I suspect it's the same for all of our health professionals. And that's what we've got to fix. I mean, all of this is about making sure that our frontline feels supported and making sure the patients get the care they need. And all right. if management is the problem, you change the management. Okay, time for one quick call. And I have to say quick because <laughs> you and I ran a little long and mostly me. Uh, so let's get right to the phones. We'll go to Diane in Calgary. Go ahead, Diane. You're on with Premier uh, Smith. Hi. Uh, first of all, congratulations, Danielle, on your win, and you need to make sure you get in in May. Um, you were mentioning about the shortage in nurses and paramedics. There's a lot of casual part-time in both fields. If you move them to full-time, you'll fill those spots and, and the needs. Now, my question is regarding um, auto insurance. About a year ago, it was changed where uh, the people, or the person that hits you their insurance company is no longer held responsible. And so my insurance company would be held, would pay it. And then um, then the insurance company in a year's time increases your rates. I want it reverted back where if somebody um, hits into your vehicle and they're 100% responsible or even 75%, that their insurance company pays uh, part of their portion of the repairs. Diane, it's a great point. I, I must tell you that we've got a new affordability and utilities minister, Matt Jones, and we've already had a conversation about what we need to do to 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 look at the rates for not only auto insurance, but property insurance. Because I, I hear your frustration all the time that if you're a good driver, why are your rates going up? If somebody else hits you and it's their fault, why are your rates going up? So we're going to have to have those hard conversations with the insurance industry. But but do know that, that Matt Jones is, is on it. He knows that we've got to solve this problem. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with Premier Danielle Smith. More of your calls and texts when we return on Your Province, Your Premier. If you're just joining us today, you are listening to Your Province, Your Premier, heard every Saturday morning for listeners throughout Alberta. In Edmonton on 630 Chad, right here in Calgary on 770 CHQR. This is your opportunity to be heard by the Premier to chat one-on-one with Premier Danielle Smith. So let's get right to it. Uh, We'll go right to the phones. And uh, let's see, who's been hanging on the longest here? Justin in Edmonton. You are next. Justin, you're on with Premier Smith. Go ahead. Good morning, Premier Smith, and congratulations on winning the by-election in Brooks Medicine Hats. Thanks, Justin. Yep, my question is uh, very similar to what we started off with. So in healthcare, we've, we've gotten rid of the AHS board. We've gotten rid of Dr. Hinshaw. What is your what is your plan to bring stability to the system that has been that has been upended with the chaos? Well, I, I guess I, I think we need to understand that the system is in crisis. We've heard that from all of our front line. We've heard that 
uh, for for years now, quite frankly. And we're this is the the first step in bringing stability to the system is that we we want somebody who has deep experience in understanding how Alberta Health Services works. We have uh, continued to keep the interim CEO in place so that we are able to build on some of the work that's already being done. And we're just going to systematically work on solving these problems with more local control, more local decision making. We're going to try some pilot projects that already appear to be working. If you look at in British Columbia and in New Brunswick, they've already started down the path that we're going down on EMS with a sort of a drop and go system so that you've got staff on hand who are able to receive patients so that the ambulance can get back out in the field more quickly. They are already experimenting with on-site triage because our paramedics are very highly trained and many of the of the clients they see can be treated on site with, and, uh, and then we don't have to have uh, as many transfers. So these are the, the, the things that they're trying in other jurisdictions. So, so I think that we should try them here. We should see if they work. We're also doing already a pilot project as well using a different trained staff in the emergency rooms, doctors and nurse practitioners. Now, nurse practitioners have been trained as uh, general practitioners, but they went through the nursing road. I know a lot of people confuse what a nurse practitioner is with an LPN, but they're a very highly trained uh, level of, of, of nursing staff. And we're going to be using those to, to be able to do more, um, more patient treatment and triage. So I think that people should just have some confidence that we know there's a problem. We know the old way of doing things isn't going to work, and we're going to try some new things. All right. From the text line, this one from uh, Chad Edmonton. Just so I am really clear, is Premier Smith saying the AHS controls university admissions for healthcare professionals? Doing more surgeries requires more dollars to the system, which comes from government. What is she proposing over what's already in place with ASI? Well, I, I can tell you, this is the one of the, the things that I'm discovering is that when uh, Minister Madhu told me that he wanted to um, make sure that he could recognize foreign credentials and start working on that, because we have a large number of people who've come from all over the world to be in our, our health profession. And some discovered- are driving cabs. Completely. We discovered that the bottleneck is over at Alberta Health and Alberta Health Services in particular. And so I'm still investigating why that is, because you can't on the one hand say we have a crisis and we can't hire enough workers at the same time as then block the recognition of foreign credentials and block the expansion of programs that are colleges and universities. So just know I'm just at the beginning phase of trying to figure out why it is that that has been the practice. But uh, I, I have I have extreme confidence that Deputy Premier Casey Madu is going to work with the different ministries to get to an answer on that. Um, I know that there are colleges. I, I, I was just down to Medicine Hat College, as you probably know. They would love to expand their nursing program there, but they're being told that they can't expand it because they can't expand it um, because the, they finished the program at one of the major universities. And then you go to one of the major in- universities and they say, well, we don't have the ability to expand our program here. So I, I think we have to get to the bottom of that. One of the things that I learned years ago and you have to remember, this is back in, when Nancy Bitkowski was health minister, is some economists did um, a review saying that doctors were driving the billings to the system and therefore their solution was not to graduate more doctors, which is bananas because we still have a lot of patients who need care. So I think that there's just some bad practices potentially that have set into the system and we've got to make sure that if anyone who feels a calling to get into this incredibly important line of work, we should be training them here, hiring them here and making sure they're supported here and we're not doing that. All right. Text message. Uh, We're going to change gears. Uh, 
Text says, Canadian here, why do you insist on an Alberta police force, Alberta pension plan, when a majority of Albertans do not want these? You are not a duly elected premier. Call an election and make these items a referendum. Uh, and we may well make um, make some of these items a referendum, particularly on the on the pension. I'm going to to take the lead on that from our finance minister Travis Taves. He had, we've already done a report. We're working on uh, doing a, a public release on that. It'll probably be in the new year, and then people will be able to see just how much we have over contributed to the plan, and just see how much of Alberta assets are being managed by the CPP Investment Board, and the fact that the CPP Investment Board doesn't include any Albertans on it. And once people see that information, then we'll have a a more fulsome discussion. But I think we all have to understand that we, as Albertans, pay dramatically more into the federal system of CPP and virtually everything else out than our seniors get back in benefits. And Quebec, years ago, decided to take over their own program. And I think it's uh, responsible for us to understand a little bit more about, about what that looks like, especially since the federal government keeps on increasing the rates. It just means that more and more dollars come out of Alberta that go to uh, to the rest of the country. And quite frankly... We had an equalization referendum where there was a mandate to end equalization, take it out of the Constitution. And that says to me that Albertans are really tired of this one-way relationship where the dollars keep coming out of this province and then a sufficient number don't come back. So I actually do think that the the mandate came directly from the people and we're going to pursue those things. Uh, On the provincial police, I would would say that we have to to look at policing a different way. And we've heard about this through the Black Lives um, Matter matters um, uh, advocacy to understand how our our, our uh, BIPOC community feels about uh, being targeted by policing. We've heard about it as well from the uh, excessive use of force that we've seen, sadly, in a lot of our police services. Now, correct me now if I'm know- wrong, uh, Premier Smith, last word I had on the provincial police force is that the decision was going to be left up to the minister. Is that is that correct or am I well, off base? Well, let me finish my point about why it is an Alberta provincial police is important. It's because we now have most of the calls are mental health and addiction. And we need to be able to train our forces to meet the the needs of the time. And so I think that we can establish a provincial police service as perhaps maybe a parallel to our existing forces at the time so that we can create a new culture of policing. We've been talking about that for the last number of years. And creating a new culture of policing means creating a new force. It's also going back to what we had before. We used to have a provincial police force in the early part of this, uh, this province's history in the 1920s and 30s. And so I'm keeping an open mind and I'll be talking to my my ministers on that. There's two ministers that are are looking at the issue. But I think that there's very good reason why we need to have additional hands on deck on policing and that we need a police force that reports to us. All right, back to the phones. Ed is calling in from Drumheller on a topic that we have discussed many times on this show, all about Aish. Uh, Ed, you're on with Premier Smith. Go ahead. Good morning, Daniel. Hi. Hi, I just, uh, you know, you mentioned here a couple weeks ago, I think it's about maybe 10 days ago or something, about putting a raise on people's age and for your, the Alberta old age supplement. And I was just wondering, is that happening soon or later? I'm sure there's a lot of people out there looking at it as the price of toilet paper keeps going up. 
You're totally right. Price of everything keeps going up. And the answer is yes. In my, the mandate letters to the um, not only the, the, the Minister of Seniors, Community and Social Supports, Jeremy Nixon, but also to my affordability uh, minister and also uh, Mickey Amory, who is our Minister of Children's Services. We, we, we talked, we, we've made the decision to index those. And so you'll, you'll see an announcement very soon. We have to go through a process because it's a budget item. These are the kind of things that have to be debated in the legislature. But we've made the commitment as a caucus that we will be re-indexing. All right. Uh, William is calling in from Sangudo. Uh, probably the uh, same question. Uh, go ahead, William. You're on with Premier Smith. Yeah, hello? Yes, Hello. go ahead. Yeah, um, you know, I hear on the radio how they talk about taking care of the workers and how, how, how much they appreciate the workers. I worked 35 years in this province building this province, working road construction, oil rigs, sandblasting. And I mean, now I'm starving on Aish. I was hurt and uh, I was screwed in the left ear by WCB, which I know a lot of people can relate. I starved for a while on welfare, then ended up on Aish. I built this province and this is the way you treat the workers. What do you have to say about that, Danielle? Well, I'm correcting problems of the past. I mean, remember, I I got uh, I ran for office because I saw a lot of things that were going wrong, and I wanted to be able to to change it. And so, one of the the first decisions that we made as a caucus was that we want to be able to restore indexing because the cost of everything is is going up. So, I agree with you that uh, there were some uh, some decisions that were made that fell particularly hard on our most vulnerable, and we're gonna we're gonna address that. All right, uh, text message from. Uh Calgary, teacher here. You've cleaned out the health management. Please consider revamping Alberta education, starting with Adriana Lagrange. She's had a 90% disapproval from teachers. We need a change. Your comment. Well, I, I have confidence in Adriana Lagrange. I think that uh, there was a, a perhaps more consultation that could have been done as we were rolling out the curriculum. But I, I will say that the, um, the 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 language arts and math curriculum that brings in phonics and brings in math the way we used to to be taught it is uh, is going to be important in, in ensuring that our, our kids meet international testing at a, a level that that can keep up with the rest of the world. So I think that she did a very good job of making sure that we implemented enough of the curriculum that we could understand what the, the changes would be. In fact, uh, over 40 of our school boards, I think 44 of our school boards, have decided to voluntarily start testing out the four to six curriculum in math and language arts as well. So I think that that's a, a good indication that on those areas that we've, we've made some good strides. On the other areas, yeah, we have to do a little bit more work, but she also has uh, accepted that and, and we are going to be doing some more consultations. So I, I think that's what I want in a minister, is somebody who's going to take some bold moves to fix some problems but if there are a little hiccups along the way that she'll stop and and be and do some more consultation so i'm i'm happy to to continue working with her in that role all right we're going to switch from uh from health and teaching to personal income tax it looks like uh this is i think this is chris calling in from edmonton go ahead you're on with premier smith yes good morning hi uh, premier premier smith hi um I uh, I was uh, informed recently, and this came as somewhat of a shock to me, that the BC personal income tax rates for incomes below eighty six thousand one hundred and forty one dollars are five point zero six percent and seven point seven percent, 
Alberta's is 10% up to $134,238. So, uh, I'll give you an example, if you can bear with me. Uh, uh, make it quick. Yes, a CPA in uh, in Alberta moved to BC. His income was about 115000 and his effective rate of tax in BC is 7.86%. He pays $2,500 less in provincial tax than he would in Alberta at 10%. And then, so he considered the PST at 7% in BC, wanted to know what his break-even point was um, uh, because of that PST and buying products in BC versus paying more in personal income tax in Alberta. It was about a $2,500 personal tax savings in BC. If you divide that by 7% PST, that means it's $35,000. He has to spend $35,000 on items in BC that charge PST to pay the same amount of tax in Alberta with no PSD. Yeah, so the I'm bottom get, line uh, is, yeah, I think, I think is, you're... if I could just finish, is in BC, the lower income earners are paying less personal tax in, Al- in Alberta. Yeah, I think you're you're correct on that. And I've asked Brian Jean to um, in my mandate letter to him to look at a renewed Alberta advantage because the the Alberta advantage from Klein's days was about making sure that everybody was better off here when it came to their their tax picture. And there's no question that we've lost some ground on that, particularly at the lower end of the income scale. So uh, so Brian is going to to come back with with some proposals for how we can renew that Alberta advantage. But uh, we're, we're very aware of that. That, that with some of the changes that have been made in other provinces, they've gotten ahead of us on some income categories, and, and we want to do what we can to address it. So um, it, it's on our radar. And the, the issue here, though, that we face is that we still have a structural deficit that is somewhere in the order of 8 to $10 billion. And it would be irresponsible of us, I think, to, to not try to, uh, to to address that structural deficit. If we keep on with this roller coaster, relying on royalty revenues to bail us out, then we're going to end up at some future point with prices going low again and back into deficits. So we, we have to be fiscally responsible. But I, I take your point that we also have to make sure that uh, we're, we're taking care of those at the lowest end of the income scales. We're going to try to balance those two things. All right, Premier Smith, a few uh, questions on the text line. I'll try to summarize, and it all has to do with the uh, Alberta's uh, treaty chief who have spoken out against the proposed Sovereignty Act, saying, number one, they don't like it. The, number two, they haven't been consulted. Was this an error in communication, and how can the chiefs be mollified? <laughs> well, we haven't uh, finalized the, the wording yet of the Sovereignty Act. We're working on going through our cabinet uh, policy committee, our cabinet, and our caucus. So we, we really just completed that work this week. And there is um, there is going to be a line in there that nothing in the Sovereignty Act abrogates or derogates from the rights, the charter rights that are recognized for our Aboriginal citizens through Section 35 of the Charter. The, the, the Sovereignty Act is, is about uh, affirming the Constitution and affirming the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. And it's very clear to everyone with the, the, the court decisions that we've seen that our, our our first peoples absolutely have those rights guaranteed. So so nothing is going to, to diminish that. It's really about making sure that our charter rights and our constitutional rights as a province are also respected. And in Section 92A of the, of the Constitution is the most important one. We have the exclusive jurisdiction to develop resources, conserve our resources, get them to market. And that's what this is about, is that we're going to be asserting that Alberta also has rights that the federal government has to respect. Should they have been consulted ahead of time? 
the, oh, we, we haven't introduced the act yet. And of course, we're going to be a consulting over the, the, the coming weeks. I had to make sure that we went through the process and we heard the feedback. And we uh, I, I have uh, Chief Billy Morin, who is, has been my advisor. And so he's been uh, keeping me up to speed on uh, who I need to talk to, when I need to talk to them. And he's, uh, he's flagged this issue so that I can meet with the treaty chiefs of uh, the Grand Chiefs of 6, 7, and 8. We, we are also going to, I mean, remember, we've got, I think, 48 nations in Alberta. Plus, we've got the uh, Métis and, uh, Nation, which is, uh, uh, and also the Métis Settlements. And so we, uh, meeting one-on-one with everybody in their community is a bit, a bit challenging since I've only been on the job for six weeks. And so I'm looking for opportunities where they come together. Yeah. I need to, yeah, I, I wish I could. <laughs> I, I need to look for those opportunities where they're getting together as a group and and hopefully we'll be able to have a, a full a full conversation. It, it'd be nice if we could do everything all at once, but uh, but it has only been a short period of time. The legislation hasn't been introduced yet. We have heard the feedback from Minister Rick Wilson, as well as from Chief Billy, that we have to make sure that there's an affirmation that it does nothing to impair First Nations treaty rights or Métis rights. And that's what we're doing. So we'll we'll communicate that. And I I think that we'll all understand that together we can work on economic reconciliation. There are a hundred bands. In uh, the in the country that has oil and gas development, and so I think they they should. Uh, what I'm hoping they will see is that by working with us in partnership, we'll be able to get those resources to market, and we'll all be better off for it. So I believe that we lead on economic reconciliation, and I'm I'm looking forward to working in partnership with our First Nations and Métis on that. Okay, Melanie has uh, been holding for probably uh, most of this show. Uh, she has a question. She's calling in from Edmonton on a demographic survey. Go ahead, Melanie. You're on with Premier Smith. Hi, thank you. Um, I'm a mom of some kids in elementary school at Edmonton Public Schools, and uh, they're doing a demographic survey to kind of um, fight racism. And uh, they told parents the themes of the survey. There's ethnicity, gender identity, sexual orientation, and it's given to grades 4 to 12. Um, And I went to the principal and our student council or parent council and uh, found out that parents aren't allowed to know what questions are on the survey. And not only that, it's supposed to be confidential, but whatever answers the students give, it will be tagged to their student ID for the rest of their years in school. So I called my trustee. My my principal didn't know why these things had been decided. Called my trustee. She couldn't answer my questions. So she sent in a service request for me for somebody to call me back. After a week, nobody had called me back. So I called Edmonton Public Schools and they couldn't find a service request. So I asked them to do another one, but they couldn't. So I went back to my trustee and she said, I'll send another one, emailed me to say it was done. Two weeks later, nobody's called me back. I called them in the public schools. Again, no service request had been put in. So I said, well, Adriana LaGrange's office said there's somewhere on the website I can complain, like put my concerns in writing and somebody will call me back. So they said, oh, yes, and they looked it up, and there's no email everywhere she looked for me to contact. There was no way for me to contact. So I feel like Edmonton Public Schools is really pushing parents away, and I don't know what to do. Well, Melanie, thanks for raising it with me. Um, I'll I'll elevate this. I'll send a text to Adriana Lagrange when we're done today because, you know, I I think that the you have to understand our view as a conservative party is that we believe that parents have the first right and a fundamental right to decide the kind of education they want for their kids, and and we have have that in this in the school act that that parents should have uh, should be able to be informed. And so I want to understand what went wrong here first. So let me let me. Raise 
raise it with the minister and see if she can if she can find out what happened here. And uh, maybe you can you can get back to me next week if we if we can find an answer. But thanks for raising it with me. CJ is texting in from Edmonton. When is Alberta going to start building nuclear power plants? Well, as it happens, I, I just discovered yesterday that there already is an MOU of a of a company that is looking at having a small modular nuclear um, reactor in in uh, in our province, and 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 I think that's fantastic that this conversation is already beginning. Uh, our province has already signed on with um, a joint partnership with the other provinces, Ontario and New Brunswick and Saskatchewan, on looking at small modular nuclear. I know that in uh, New Brunswick, they're already. I th- think planning on rolling one out, one of the smaller ones uh, under 15 megawatts uh, by 2026 at the Darlington uh, facility in Ontario. I think they're planning for 2028. So as soon as those first ones get rolled out and people have a comfort level with them, I suspect that you're going to see much uh, greater adoption across the entire country. Remember, Canada is a world leader in nuclear technology, um, especially out of Ontario. Ontario's power grid is 60% nuclear. So I, I think that this is going to be an exciting new area. Area of developing non-emitting fuels. And so um, we already have buy-in from our members. They passed a policy saying we should pursue this along with hydrogen. And so I'm just I'm just waiting for the technology to catch up, catch up with the desire. All right. David Block texting in from 630. Ched, WCB owes the injured workers of Alberta a lot of money. Get them paying what they owe us. WCB needs changes, not indexing. Uh, WCB, you know, I've heard problems for years from employers saying that they are being overcharged and recipients saying that they are being underserviced and underpaid. The, it, uh, I'll, I'll take that back to, to see if we can get, again, Brian Jean is responsible for the labor legislation and creating a jobs market that is uh, going to be attractive to, to workers of, of all types and supportive of workers when they get injured. So I'll, I'll make sure that I have a chance to talk with him to see if he can dig into some of the problems there. All right. I have a text message from Calgary and a phone call from Edmonton, both on health care. We'll hit the text message first. Good morning, Premier. I agree that paramedics should be able to decide if a patient needs to be transported to hospital or not. Are you going to change the law to allow this? As of now, if a patient insists to go to the hospital, paramedics must transport. And also, who's going to cover their liability insurance? So a couple things I'd say is that we we already are seeing the these kinds of, of pilot projects and initiatives happening in other provinces. So they've worked through the legal issues that the, the, that the texter raised. So I, I think that we can just parallel that. But what we need to do, and you heard this in our press conference, is there's a few things. One is that we have to recognize our paramedics are highly trained and that many... Uh, recipients of care are often uh, repeats, uh, repeat pa- patients. And so they're familiar with them as well. And so if we can create more autonomy so that they can uh, treat on site, they, I know that they have access to a virtual doctor too. So if they need to get a doctor's opinion so that uh, to validate it, then we'll just put those processes in place. The, the other issue, of course, is that uh, when someone calls 911, there should be training so that they know when to step something down to 811, which is our, our health link line, so that they can talk to a nurse and get care at home. That's going to be another part of the, of the training that we do, is that not everybody needs to be transported to hospital. The, the third major area, and this is a real problem for uh, those who live in rural Alberta, 
is what they call interfacility transfers. So if someone has to come from Medicine Hat into Calgary for a medical appointment, we use one of our emergency ambulances. And then once they get into Calgary, they kind of get caught into the vortex of dispatch and they never make it back home to their home community. There is a way for us to use alternative vehicles and alternative services to do those routine transfers so that we keep our emergency vehicles in the communities where they're needed. So those are going to be three really crucial ways that we can uh, improve emergency uh, services. And then the last one is that when a paramedic arrives, there has to be either a doctor or a nurse practitioner or another paramedic team who can onboard the patient so that they can get back out in the field so that we don't ever have anybody waiting when they when they need that kind of urgent service. All right, time for a break. We'll be back to hear from Dawn in Edmonton on a healthcare question. So Dawn, you've been hanging on for a long time, just a few more minutes, be patient. I'm Wayne Nelson with Premier Danielle Smith. We will be back to wrap things up in our final segment on Your Province, Your Premier. Wayne Nelson back with you on Your Province, Your Premier, your opportunity to speak with Premier Danielle Smith one-on-one. If you've got a specific question you'd like the Premier to answer, the number is to phone or text. I'm sure you know them by now, 403-974-8255 in Calgary, 780-496-0063 in Edmonton. All right, I promised that Dawn from Edmonton was going to be next. Dawn has been waiting, okay, count this, uh, about 37 minutes Don, you've been real patient, so your question better be a good one. You're on with Premier Smith. Go ahead. Hi, Danielle. Premier Smith. Hey, Don. Um, you know what I find fascinating is we have battlefield uh, medics that can work anywhere in the world. We have doctors without borders, but uh, all of a sudden they get back here and they can't work. Like, there's got to be something. And then we have, of course, there's a bunch that came from the Ukraine that are trained already, have been working already in the field for years. I think what we need is a, a program that could move them into the system faster is is one thing the, you're 100 right yep and the other thing i was looking at is um okay so there's been a lot of vaccination injuries i personally believe that one-third of the vaccinations are causing uh temporary or permanent damage but it's not being recorded and i'm still looking for that website because there is private websites and once it hits 300,000 they get taken down they don't even mention vaccination shots so and i know that you have a lot of criticism is saying that you're not practicing science but i believe in science and numbers if you look in the united states the death rate on from according to insurance companies went up 40 percent of males between the 18 and 45 if you look at the u.s military statistics once the vaccination came out the disease rate went from an average of 1.7 million per year to 20 million so there's obviously something wrong you can read pfizer's reports they're online, and then the CDC, I'm still trying to track down their report. But it indicates about the same thing, that one-third of the population are having adverse um, effects with the uh, vaccination shot. All right. Appreciate the call, Don. And, uh, Thank you. Uh, yes, uh, Premier Smith. I was, I was going to say, this is part of the reason why I, I support vaccine choice, is that I know some people have concerns about long-term uh, data. They want to see more research. They want to see more studies. And I, I think it's it's incumbent upon us as a government to look at the data and to be able to provide recommendations. So I, I do have a, a team that I want to assemble that will, through the auspices of the Alberta Health Quality Council, start doing a data review for me so that we can make some, some fact-based decisions, some informed decisions. I just don't have enough information and enough detail right now. And I'd, I'd like to look at our own Alberta statistics and see what we can discover from that with some Alberta doctors who know our system, who can give me some good advice. So that'll be coming in the future. All right. Text line from QR. 
Good morning, Premier Smith. I'm wondering what the Alberta government is doing about Bill C-21. My spouse passed away and the federal government is saying I can't inherit or transfer his restricted firearm to me. Thanks. This is Patty. I'll tell you what we are doing is that we've got a terrific chief firearms officer, Terry Bryant, who is working on bringing forward all of uh, some uh, a proposal so that we take over all of the um, licensing and the administration of the Firearms Act. And so once we have that closer to home, we may be able to make some of those changes. I don't want to, to give you false sense of hope because uh, I, I have to talk with uh, with Terry Bryant about the kind of things that we're doing. But we, we have noticed that there have been all kinds of delays and administrative uh, pitfalls and, and uh, 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 the not, uh, improper processing. I mean, some of these processing in Miramichi is taking nine months or longer. This is part of the reason we're bringing it back home. So once we've got that system up and running, she's got the allocation for it, hopefully we'll be able to solve some of these problems for you. All right, another text from uh, CHQR. Uh, Premier Smith, I have a young friend who works in a diagnostic center in Calgary. For every Albertan she is booking, she is booking one BCer and one Saskatchewanite. So is our Alberta medical system impacted by caring for two provinces who can't manage their own provincial medical systems? Personally, I'd love to see us develop the capacity so that not only can we treat all Albertans and get them the care they need, that we'd be able to have enough capacity that we can help uh, our, our fellow provinces as well. So I think that we've got a we've got a, a countrywide problem, and it's because we've all followed the same basic approach in how we manage issues. So we're going to try something new here and see if we can make some inroads. I think everybody should be able to get the diagnostics that they need within a reasonable period of time and the medical treatment that they need within a a reasonable period of time. That's not too much to ask for, and that's why we've started on the reforms that we have. All right. Brian is calling in from Edmonton on the Alberta Works Index. Brian, you're on with Premier Smith. Go ahead. Hello. Good morning, Premier. Hey. How are you doing today? I'm good. What's up? Um, My question today is, um, I'm currently on Alberta Works Income Support. Um, I've got a pretty bad knee, so I can't work right now. Um, But I heard you talking to another caller earlier about indexing age to inflation. Um, Are you you and your government going to do the same for people on income support? Because that's a completely different program than age. Yes, we are. It's uh, all of the programs that had suspended in their in their indexing are being re-indexed, including our personal income tax system that had already been pre-announced, but as a caucus, we made the decision that we, we've got to do the same thing for the uh, the programs that are most vulnerable or reliant on. That includes seniors' benefit as well. Okay. okay I, appreci- I appreciate that. Uh, that's, that's, good to, that's good to hear. Thanks very much Thanks. for your call, Brian. Thank you. Okay, Bill is calling on a medication issue. Go ahead, Bill. You're on with Premier Smith. Hi, thanks. Yeah, well, when can we get uh, ivermectin in Alberta as duly prescribed by good doctors with medical qualifications, second to none to those in public health? Thanks. One of the things I'd like to to do is, and I'm looking forward to talking to the College of Physicians and Surgeons about this, I, I need to understand why our doctors didn't have the ability to prescribe because normally in uh, in our our country when something is approved by health canada 
then doctors have the ability to to, uh, to prescribe off-label if they think that that's in the best interest of their patient. And that got interrupted in the last couple of years. And it's not just the drug you name. There's 20 different drugs that, that, dif- that have been tried in other jurisdictions. And so I need to talk to the College of Physicians and Surgeons to find out why we limited the scope of practice of our doctors. Because we have that guaranteed in our Health Professions Act that they have the ability to use their own judgment. And we've got to go back to trusting the judgment of doctors. So that's going to be part of our review. All right, one final phone call, and it is a health question. Uh, Graham is calling in from Calgary. Go ahead, Graham. You're on with Premier Smith. Uh, Premier Smith, um, you've inherited quite a rat's nest, and I'd just like to sort of add to it about the insulin pump program. Um, It seems that the CGMs and the new technologies, uh, that department has been back and forth on which ones will be covered, and... All of your colleagues across the country from Ontario to Saskatchewan to PEI cover insulin pump uh, and CGM, which is constant glucose monitoring. And it just seems to go back and forth. And they, they came out with a revised program. Then due to public outcry, it got rescinded. And they're shaking it down again. And, and it was supposed to come out, the new program, in September. And um, like the new insulin pump program... Um, have to use CGM and they they only cover kids but like it's hmm. it needs to cover all age groups and just quickly I mean it's like buying a new car and going down to the lot and picking it up and there's no engine in it. Graham thanks for your comment on that sorry man I'm getting some feedback there thank yeah, you there we go. so the we we often get into this issue where we're we're almost penny wise pound foolish it seems is that we spend a lot of money when somebody uh, gets sick because their condition hasn't been managed and yet we don't spend enough money at the front end on prevention and I, I think that this constant glucose monitoring is one of those prime examples if you can stay within the band that you need to then you can prevent having your condition go from bad to worse and in fact I've been told that uh, uh, that di- diabetes and some of the complications from that are one of the highest uh, causes of pressure on the healthcare system and one of the highest incidents of death that we have that is totally avoidable. So there, those are the things, this is the reason why I, oh, during the campaign that, I, that uh, for leadership is that I wanted to expand the conversation out to include prevention. I'm going to take a first step into that with health spending accounts that we're putting in place in the uh, in the spring so that if there are things that aren't covered that you have the ability to be able to use a health spending account to cover those so we're just getting started on that but i suspect the example you gave is only one of many many things that people find frustrating with the system so it is going to be very much a part of our future reforms right now we've got to focus on the urgent crisis and the uh, in the acute care system and then we'll we'll be we'll be very much focused on how we can support all of those preventative measures to make sure people can keep themselves healthy. Premier Smith, uh, thank you once again for joining us today. Still some phone calls on hold and lots of text messages. Uh, It's been a pleasure. We'll do this again next week. Thanks, Wayne. Talk to you again. You betcha. Bye-bye. And uh, once again, yes, we will be back same time next week. I'm Wayne Nelson. You've been listening to Your Province, Your Premier. Children's Foundation.